Welcome, listeners, to another Transformation Church Sermon Podcast. Let's prepare our hearts to receive the Word of God. Come on, what's up, Transformation? It's Passion Week. Come on, it's Holy Week. What a great week. Come on, look at somebody and say, get passionate. Look at a couple people say, get passionate this week. We're a generous church. We're generous with our gestures. Come on, sometimes it's just, you got to tell your face you're passionate. Come on, you're just generous with your face, generous with your gestures, generous with the person sitting next to you. It's such an amazing time uh, in the kingdom. It's amazing. We had, like he said, 10 people give their life to Christ last week, and then people signed up for water baptism. If you haven't been water baptized yet, I encourage you, the week after Easter, it's going to be a huge celebration. You can go to Connection and sign up for that. It's just that public declaration, a step of obedience with Christ to, to go public with um, really your, 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 your faith with him. We always say uh, your relationship with him is your, your, um, your relationship with him is private. Your, your, your decision, it's a heart thing, but your, your walk with him is very public, right? And so, so your faith is not a private thing that we go public with our faith as we get water baptized. So I'd encourage you to do that. This is a week we call Holy Week where we begin to commemorate. Many call it Palm Sunday. Um, it's a, really the beginning where today we commemorate the walk of Jesus to to the cross. He begins to take his steps towards uh, Jerusalem and he's coming into uh, the holy city. He walks through the golden gate or uh, the east gate and that gate's closed up until he returns for the second time. Come on, the king entered through that gate and um, it's, it's a commemoration of him taking that journey. It's about a, it was about a three mile walk as he came into uh, Jerusalem and then Friday we commemorate obviously uh, the death of him on the cross and what that meant uh, to us. Many, many people teach and I believe that um, uh, he, he died on Friday, obviously was Passover and, uh, 3 PM is when Jesus died and the temple priest actually on Passover were slaughtering the Passover lambs at 3 PM. So literally to the same hour, he was on the cross fulfilling the once and for all Passover lamb as the religious leaders were, were, were killing the lamb in the temple. And so uh, God planned this out in an amazing way. So Friday, we're going to have a good Friday service. It's going to be a great service in here, 630 to 7 sharp. And then Sunday, obviously, Sunday morning is the celebration of a resurrection and all that Jesus did uh, coming back from the grave. Come on, can we celebrate that he, it's going to be, it's going to be a party. It's going to be a party here Sunday. We don't, we don't, we don't party like the world parties when it comes to Easter. We don't need the weed. We don't need the drug. We don't need the, we don't need the alcohol. Some of y'all might, but we, I don't. And, uh, and, um, we, we, uh, we're going to celebrate resurrection and, um, really watch some, um, amazing things. God's going to do some amazing things as we honor and celebrate that. We have a great time planned. So invite some people. Uh, we got three services so we can spread out a little bit and it's going to be strong. Today's the triumphal entry. It's what many call it. Um, Isaiah or Zechariah prophesied uh, hundreds of years prior in Zechariah 9 9. Uh, Behold, your king coming to you lowly and sitting on a donkey. And this King Jesus um, is fulfilling uh, this prophecy. What's odd is all through Jesus' uh, ministry, uh, many people call it the, the, the messianic secret because he never really um, told anyone he was king. He never accepted worship as king. Literally, when people tried to make him king, he'd do some great miracle and they try to make him king. They'd go to force him to become king. They wanted to crown him because they wanted someone to, to rule over uh, the, the oppressive Roman Empire. They wanted someone to rise up. So they would try to make Jesus king. And it said, and he would slip out from amongst them. And he would say, and he would, and he would go and he would hide. And he would, he would say, my, my kingdom is not of this world. And he would make these statements because he knew their heart was to get a political savior. How I many you know if we're looking for a political savior, we're going to be duped by the Antichrist? 
If you, if you, if you, if you put all of it into a political savior, you're going to get got by the antichrist because that's how uh, he promises political salvation and, 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 and all the, the equity for the nations. It's not going to happen. Come on. Jesus is going to rule and reign. Jesus is going to bring peace. Jesus is going to be the savior. And so, and so he rides in and, uh, in this instance, what's odd is this is the first time he ever presents himself as king. It's a prophetic declaration that he was born for. It was what the Old Testament looked to. And, and he will return as king a second time. But this is the first time that he presents himself as king. And not only does he, does he not um, push off or try to hide from being king, he actually arranges all of the scenarios to present himself as king. It's four days before the Passover. It's on a Sunday. There's two million people in the city. Josephus, one of the, the one of the historians, says it's anywhere from five hundred thousand to two million people in the city. People and pilgrims from all around the world coming. Jews from around the world, Gentiles from around the world. People coming from all the nations to give to give honor at Passover. It's one of the feasts where everyone had to travel into Jerusalem, and so there's the city is swollen to about two million people, and he becomes uh, riding over this hill on this donkey and the whole city is moved. The whole city begins to shake and they begin to yell, Hosanna, son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It's fulfilling uh, Psalm 119. They're quoting Psalm 119 and, and, and he, he walks in and everybody's shouting Hosanna and the religious people are like, quiet down your disciples. And Jesus is like, no, if they don't worship me all the louder, the rocks will cry out. Come on, God said, if this church doesn't get louder, then he'll use some, some pavement out there to worship him. Come on, we're called to, to worship and, and cry out. And they yell, Hosanna. The angel Gabriel actually predicted to the prophet Daniel the very moment and hour and day. If you do the mathematical timelines that Gabriel spoke to Daniel, it's to this day, this moment, the 14th of Nisan in the Hebrew calendar, to this day that Jesus would present himself. You think that your life's not planned for. You think that he doesn't have it arranged and set up and predetermined. The Bible says for the seasons and dwellings of your life are predetermined. The boundaries of your dwellings are set by God so that you might grope for him as a, as a person gropes in the dark, but he's not far off for he shall be found when you grope for him for you're his offspring. And in him, we live and move and have our being that, that, that your boundaries are preordained and prearranged by God. Jesus shows up on the scene on this donkey and Matthew 21, one through 11 gives us the story. One picture of it. It says this. Now, when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go into the village opposite you. And immediately you'll find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord has need of them. And immediately he will send them. And all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet saying, tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt and laid their clothes on them and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road and others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the multitudes who went before him and those who followed cried out, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. 
And when he had come to Jerusalem, all the city was moved. It's where we get our word earthquake. The whole city quaked and, and was moved. It was seismic saying, who is this? Two million people. Who is this? So the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. My title for today is don't discount the donkey. <laughs> don't discount the donkey. That's peanut. Oh, watch out kids. All right. Hold on. We love you. Peanut. Peanut gets a little scared at applause. Peanut's going to go say hi to the kids now. We, we, we don't discount the donkey. We love you, Peanut. Come on. Don't give, a, don't give a loud applause. Give a little, little silent applause. A little happy, happy applause. For, we love you, Peanut. I don't know if the donkey in the Bible was named Peanut, but that's our donkey. He's going to go surprise the kids. Don't discount the donkey. I see Mike's eyes were lit up there. You just saw a kid getting kicked. So did I. So did I. Don't discount the donkey. Let's pray real quick. Father, thank you for arranging today, thousands of years ago and in this moment. Thank you that you're the God of yesterday, today, and forever, that nothing catches you off guard. Thank you for riding into that city knowing that you would die. Thank you for arranging yourself to be presented as king that day. Thank you that you decided for some reason to to show up as king on that day, a different type of king, Jesus. Thank you for ruling and setting us free from the sin of our hearts and from the slavery of sin and the, the death and hell and the grave. Thank you for setting us free from that ultimately. Thank you that that was your march. Thank you that you set your face like a flint to Jerusalem, that you, you didn't look back, you didn't look around, but you went and you did what you were called to do, what you were born to do. We thank you for today, God. We give you glory and honor. Speak to us from your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. He set his face like a flint. He made a decision. He looked to Jerusalem. He was going to go through several cities and some of his disciples said, Hey, let's stop here. Let's stop there. He said, no, I've got to go through Samaria. That was the time when the disciples wanted to call fire from heaven and destroy the city. And Jesus says, you know, not what spirit you're of, but he set his face like a flint. And before I get into the passage, I just want to encourage somebody uh, prophetically. I just was, was coming to get him an assignment to say to somebody in here, you need to set your face forward. You need to make a decision to focus to the future, to, to look ahead of what, for what God has. Quit looking behind you. Quit, looking, quit going back to that relationship. Quit going back to that mistake. Quit going backwards. Jesus decided, nope, I'm not going to Samaria. I've already been there. I've already done that. I've already ministered. My time is done. I've finished that job. I've finished that work. I've finished that assignment. I'm going to the cross. And I think some of you need to focus, including myself, on some things that God's asking you to focus on so you can get to the purpose and destiny he's called for you. I want to look ahead. Jesus looks ahead. And this donkey, it's an amazing scene. He shows up. And I, sometimes I think we overlook the little things. I think we look past the little things. We're looking for the giant miracles, the the giant mountains to be moved. We're looking for the great eyes to be opened and the blind to see and the deaf to hear. And I get that. I love all that. But the little things sometimes God shows up in. The little statements, the little passages of scripture, the little things that sometimes we discount, sometimes we overlook. Jesus is presenting himself as king. He's showing up for the first time, taking worship and honor and glory as king. And in this scenario, two million people are around. He has a three-mile journey, and he looks at his disciples. He says, hey, go to the village over there opposite you guys, the one you're not familiar with, the one we haven't been at a lot. Go to that village, and there you'll find a donkey, a colt tied up, the foal of a donkey. Over at the crossroads over there, you'll find this 
donkey tied up over in this neighborhood, over at this address, over here in this area, you'll find it tied up. Oh, and by the way, no one's ever ridden it, that its history is known, its address is known, its location is known, its situation of being tied up is known, its life is known, that Jesus, sometimes we overlook the simple details that God knows the situations of your life, the addresses of where you are, everything that you're facing, you're coming and you're going, when you feel tied up, when you feel free, when you feel like you can't get anywhere, when you feel like he knows your life. Some people teach that he had a prearranged situation with the guy that owned the donkey or the people that owned the donkey. He did not. He predicted as omniscient king all the events of this week. He predicted that he'd be denied by Peter three times. He predicted he'd be betrayed by Judas. He predicted he'd be deserted by the disciples. He predicted that he'd go to a cross. He predicted and planned for a donkey that would be tied up as a colt to its mama in the neighborhood a couple miles over, a couple blocks away. It encourages me that God knows where I live, what I'm going through, where, where I am in life. I'm just, I just want to encourage somebody in this room that God knows your situation. And if he can use a donkey, he can use me. Come on, all, all through the Bible, God used a donkey. God talked through a donkey. God used the jawbone of a donkey. Now Jesus rides in on a donkey. He tells his disciples, hey, I have need of this donkey. It's not a surprise to Jesus. Your life's not a surprise. You're like, I don't want to be the donkey. You are the donkey. <laughs> That's okay. You're the X factor. The X factor is the, is the person on the team that's not the starter, not the star of the story, not, not first string, not the captain. It's the person in the story that comes in off the bench, that makes a difference in the championships, makes a difference in the story, makes a difference in the purpose of the king, makes a difference in the neighborhood, makes a difference. Come on, so many of us are looking to be the, the, the headliner. And no, that's Jesus' job. He's king. We're just called to to carry the king. And Jesus decides to ride this donkey, not only decides to, says, I have need of you, and I'm going to go into my mission on the back of this donkey. Number one, first thought, very simple, God uses donkeys. I'm not going to use the other word in the the King James version. If you got a King James Bible, there's a different word that they use, but God uses donkeys. What's a donkey? Just a burden bearer. Just somebody that's willing to carry the burden of the king, carry the heart and the weight of Jesus, carry the burden of his heart into a world that not, we don't have to be the most famous, the best known, the biggest, the best looking, the fat. No, just, just, just people that are willing to carry the heart of Jesus, burden bearers. His heart for your neighborhood, his heart for your neighbors, his heart for healing, his heart for all races and all nations and all creeds. He, just people that would be willing to carry his heart of forgiveness and reconciliation and power and signs and miracles and wonders. The heart of a king that we would be willing to carry him into the city. God uses donkeys. Jesus rode into his destiny on the back of a donkey. I think sometimes we discount that. We discount the fact of that he would use our life. Number two, very simple thought. Jesus is willing to take the risk on you. He's willing to risk it on you. We had two young students on the platform this morning, one playing bass and, and one singing young. They lead a lot in our student ministry. One's in middle school and, or no, maybe high, just turned into high, just high school. He's uh, just, he's a freshman, I believe in high school. And, uh, yeah, thanks Xavier. Come on, man. He's like, yeah, I ain't no middle schooler, man. What's up, dude? I will beat you down. <laughs> I corrected it, man, quick. I know. 
You know, Jesus is willing to take a risk on the next generation, the foal, the colt of a donkey. The, the next generation, Jesus is willing to take a risk. Look at this, the creator. Many call it a divine miracle because it was an unbroken, untamed, stubborn donkey. You don't just climb up on an unbroken donkey. You, you, don't, you don't just get on top of, a, of an unbroken horse. Here's an unbroken, here, here's a male baby donkey, not unneutered, stubborn. You're talking about the most stubborn animal on the planet. Jesus picks the most stubborn animal on the planet to get on. People say, you, don't, you can't, it's a miracle. Like, like it is a miracle, but here's the deal. The creator of all creation climbs on the back of a stubborn creation of his and tames it and rides it into his destiny. Jesus wants to get on the back of stubborn humanity, stubborn individuals, people that think that they don't have anything to offer him. I'm too stubborn. I'm too hard-headed. I mean, he knows that. I'm too mule-headed. He knows that. He takes risks on us. I mean, that donkey he got on could have just said, nope, uh-uh, gone Shrek on him, sat right down. <laughs> could have done anything. I mean, right, I was getting a little nervous looking at this donkey. First service, it looked like it was going to kick a kid. I'm like, oh, I'm a little nervous. Like, I'm like, oh, oh, and, and, and he, he, I'm looking second service. I was telling you, hey, be a little quiet. Like, but we took a risk. You know what we did all week? All week long, as we were talking about bringing the donkey in here, we knew there'd be crowds and people. And, and then we were worried, but could it pee? <laughs> This is our staff meeting. <laughs> like, what do you do all week? Could it poop in the aisle? I mean, we're devising a, a, a diaper to go on baby donkey and then trying to figure out, trying to figure out how to put a little, a little blanket over it to look, make it look ancient. You know what I mean? Like we're, we're planning if it could, we're planning for its stubbornness. We're planning. Could it kick a kid? Which way is it coming in? Which way is it going out? We're planning everything. You don't think God's plan for your stubbornness and your messiness and, and, you, and which way you're coming in and which way you're going out. You don't think God takes a risk and has already prepared beforehand all the things that the, that he needs to do to get your life to where it needs to be so he can ride you to his destiny. And there's a destiny of the king, not just in Jerusalem, but in your workplace and in your school and at your university and in your city and in your home. Jesus is willing to take the risk and he does. He moves on the back of this donkey. It says the whole city was moved. There's an earthquake in the city. It's not an earthquake, just it's a, it's a movement. The city felt like an earthquake. And I just, I just want to say that, I'm going to give you a couple thoughts here, but God wants to move a city through you. He wants to, he wants to use your life. I mean, don't, don't discount yourself. If he's going to risk it on this, on this, the most risky thing he, move he could make. I mean, what if that donkey just said, nope. And Jesus as creator, bridled it. Yes. He wants to ride our life. Here's the th three things that'll cost us for him to ride our life to our city, our neighborhood, our restaurants, our places of influence. The first thing it'll cost us, it'll cost you comfort to carry the king. Yes. It'll cost you comfort. In a, in a world right now, in the same world right here, all the religious leaders and different people, they were chanting Hosanna, the son of David. He comes in the name of God and, and the, the Pharisees and everybody was like, shh, quiet your disciples. We're in a world that still wants to quiet the disciples. We're in a culture that still wants to quiet people that believe and have convictions of a king. We're in a world that wants to hush us and quiet his church. And the reality is it'll cost, it's going to cost in these days. I think we're coming to a place where it's going to cost us more comfort than ever. And I would not be doing my job if I didn't tell you that there's going to be a cost of your comfort to follow Jesus, to speak up for Jesus, to believe in Jesus and to stand for Jesus. It's happening around the world. Our brothers and sisters are already going through it. I know that we haven't gone through it like that in America, but we all sense that it's on the horizon. 
And I wouldn't, if I don't prepare you, when you get to it, you'll cave in. If you're not prepared to give up some comforts and some freedoms and some things, I'll fight for the freedom of my family, but I'm going to, I'll let, there's going to be some freedoms we have to fight for in the faith. Does that make sense? And, and, and it's not going to be comfortable. I think sometimes to carry Jesus, this donkey could have just been like, no, you're too heavy. It's too heavy. It's, it's heavy to carry conviction. It's heavy to carry a king. It's heavy sometimes to carry. I wrote it this way. Comfort is the enemy of your calling. It's the enemy of my calling. I, I watched my wife carry three of our children, carry three destinies on the inside of her. Do you know that she had, come on, any ladies, if y'all saw any ladies that have been, come on, Marissa, all right, right, I know you're about to have a baby, Nick and Marissa. Uh, Marissa runs this whole church. She's amazing. Uh, she's our operations director. And uh, why don't y'all give it up for Marissa and, and Nick back there? They're going they're about to have an amazing baby. I think Stephanie, our preschool director, is having a baby maybe today. So all my staff's leaving and having, having babies right before Easter. This is not the, this is, I'm risking it in Jesus' name. Um, <laughs> but uh, I don't even know what I was talking about. Oh, comfort. So you've sacrificed comfort. Any of the ladies that have had children carry destiny, you've sacrificed comfort. I watched my wife sacrifice the comfort. She couldn't wear certain clothes. Couldn't fit in certain shoes. Come on. Couldn't eat certain, have mercy. Couldn't eat certain foods. Sick at certain, comfort, comfort, comfort. Couldn't go around certain environments, certain smells. There was, there was a cost to carry the destiny of those children on the inside of her. There's a cost to carry King Jesus on your life. My son, I'm not, y'all know me. I'm not a camper. I'm a glamper. I like the Holiday Inn. I like, I like the Marriott. I, I will, I will go give me a, give me a camper. Give me, I don't want any camping trip. I usually end up in my car with the air condition on. I used to have a little Jeep Cherokee so I could lay out in the back, put the seats down, lay just right there, get air conditioned. Thank you, Jesus. Went to the Amazon jungle with Mike Hussar. You could tell him about how bad of a missionary I am. I, I, I went there and, and literally, at, at, we were leaving at 10 a.m. For the, for the plane flight. I went into everybody's room, packed their bags for them. I'm the pastor on the trip, had all of the luggage at 6.30 or 7 a.m. at the front door and was ready to go sitting on the bags. They're like, Pastor, we're not leaving until 10. I was like, I don't care. I'll wait at the airport. Get me out of this place. We had, we had fought demons. We had fought dysentery. We had fought all, we had, we had cast, we had done everything. And I mean, I I love all that, but I'm ready. I was ready to go. We had fought dirty flies on butter. Like they're giving us butter. There's flies all over the butter. I'm like, come on, sanitary. We need some sanitation in here. here. Here's the thing. My son just went to Uganda, just got back from Uganda, went there 12 days, 10 days, 12 days in Uganda. The whole, the whole time leading up to the trip, the whole entire time, I'm like, I, I just don't know. Like, ah, no, like, can't we go to Louisiana? <laughs> Same thing. <laughs> it's strong down. We need, we, need some, we need some Jesus in Louisiana. Mardi Gras. Some Jesus in Uganda. I was like, 
I don't, safety? Like, I don't know, babe. And, and it was kind of safety. Like, I was worried. I'm the shots and the safety. My son's like, Dad, I'm supposed to go to Uganda. I'm like, I'm talking to my wife behind closed doors. I'm like, babe, I don't, I don't feel comfortable. I don't feel comfortable. I don't feel comfortable. I don't feel comfortable with Uganda. I don't feel comfortable with it around. I'm just confessing as your pastor. You're like, oh, yeah, man of power for the hour. No. That was my wife. She's like, God is with him and God has got him and it's his destiny and God's going to change his life. She's like, is that Jesus? Are you hearing Jesus say you're not? Because if you're hearing Jesus, then I'll follow that. But I don't think you're hearing Jesus. She was telling me. And, and 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 I about sacrificed his calling for my comfort. How many times do we sacrifice each other's calling, our children's calling, our spouse's callings, our, our friends, our, our coworkers' callings for, for a level of comfort? I don't know. It's a new idea. It's something different. It's something I can't, we can't do that. Like we begin to, it's going to cost us some discomfort to carry King Jesus. It's not easy when he's riding our back to come into the place of calling. They're crying out, Hosanna, the son of God. It's not easy when he rides us about a habit, rides us about a sin or convicts us about an issue. When he wants to put the bridle in our mouth and rein us in, it's not always easy. The first thing it costs us is comfort. The second thing, this is big, it'll cost us submission. This is probably the hardest thing for for all of us. Your flesh will constantly challenge the authority of Jesus King in your life. And and this 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 animal, like I said, could have easily he's unbroken, he's untamed. And it was a miracle that the master could climb his back and bridle him to ride him into destiny. And it's a miracle for God by the power of the Holy Spirit to come on our life and begin to bridle our attitudes and bridle our mouths and bridle our thoughts and bridle our anger and, and begin to, to ride our life. We have to be willing to submit. It costs submission. I, I believe that that's one of the biggest challenges that we all have as, as Christians. We love, we love to call him king in name, but we do not want him to bridle our life. We love to call him king And we got saved and he is savior. Yes, savior deals with eternity, but him being king deals with now. And Jesus inaugurates himself as king in this scenario. And it's the Old Testament prophetic declaration that he would be king. But as he sets himself up for king, when he is in his ministry, he says, the kingdom is here. The kingdom is here. Go and preach the kingdom. A kingdom means there's a king that has dominion or domain kingdom where the king has reigned, king's dominion. And when you become a Christian, salvation deals with eternity, but kingdom deals with the dominion of him over your life. The dominion of him over your decisions. The fact that you would go to him about every decision and every question and say, God, I submit this to you. Now you're becoming a subject to his kingdom. And the only answer to any answer he gives from you is yes, Lord. That's it. And many times we don't want to walk in submission. And I would say to you that, that the level that God will use you in your sphere and in your world is to the, and, and ride in on your life is to the level that you can submit to his authority. 
And, and, and not just his authority, because many people tell me all the time, well, well, I, su- I, I submit to Jesus and I follow Jesus, but nobody else because I don't trust people. I get it, but you can't see Jesus. You can't see Jesus. My kids all the time, my daughter tries to pull that on me. I submit to God. I'm like, well, I'm God in this house. <laughs> his representative, no emails. Come on, somebody. Uh, but I tell them all the time, I say, God set me up as his representative and he put my authority in place as your father. Come on, parents. You have authority from God to lead your children, to bless your children, to serve your children. Hey, young people, honor your parents in the Lord. They have, in the Lord, they have authority from God. Not to misuse it or abuse it, but authority. There's godly authority. Paul said, follow me as I follow Jesus. I would encourage you, find somebody not perfect, no one's perfect, but is trying their best to follow Jesus and you follow them. Well, I follow Jesus. You can't see Jesus. That's why you keep wrecking your car, wrecking your life, just following Jesus. No, submit up under some authority on the planet and some of God. Listen, what's amazing is Jesus tells us the donkey that he finds is a coal, a colt of a donkey, a foal colt tied to its mama. He picks a, a, a risky pick that's tied up to some authority already. He chooses someone and something that's already tied up to some authority in its life. I'm just saying to you that, that it's good to tie yourself up to some authority. Here's the good news. When Jesus rides in, he's king of kings. It, it, here's the thing. Let me just say it this way. The, the, heart, the number one decision you have to make is who's in charge. Who's in charge? <laughs> And, and most of your problems and issues could have been solved a lot faster if you would have settled who's in charge. Most of the stuff has taken you way too long because he's not really king. And you've confused friendship with him with familiarity. And now you get close to him to excuse your disobedience. And, and, and he's king. Is he king of my money? Is he king of my tithe? Is he king of my sex? Is he king of my purity? Is he king of what I ingest in my eyes and ears? Is he king of my attitude? Is he king of my life? Is he king of my marriage? Is he king of my parenting? Is he king of, is he king? It's a kingdom. Here's what happens. In a kingdom, Jesus is savior. You've gotten saved and it's amazing. He's the door. He's the door to the kingdom. The Jesus, I'm the door. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to me except by the father. I'm the door. I'm the door. We come and we get saved and we come to this savior and we stay at the door. We stay at the savior. We stay at the door. The door's beautiful. He's a savior. It's amazing. But that deals with eternity. The kingdom deals with the king of your life day to day in the here and now. Is he king? If you go to a restaurant and you show up and you go to and have a reservation and you walk in and you find the door and then you go in and you, they say, well, we'd like to seat you. Would you like to order? You go, no, I'm just going to hang out by this beautiful door. This is so pretty. Look at this big red door. 
Look at this. It's such nice. It's a nice handles and it's a beautiful door. And it's such a, it's that's a nice presentation. You're not that you're, they'd be like, you're crazy, ma'am. You're going to lose your reservation. You, sir, you're going to lose your table. We have a table for you. You're going to make your way into the kingdom to see what's on the menu and to begin to order and taste and see that God is good. I'm not hanging at the door. I'm walking in and I'm bringing all my baggage and all my pain and all my hurt and all my, all my successes and every, all my, all my mental stuff and all my heart stuff and all my issues. And I'm submitting it into the kingdom under his rule and his reign. And he can begin to heal me and cure me and empower me and, and walk on my life to what he wants to do in our community. I'm, I, he's king. And so I, I think it's going to cost you and I some submission in this day and hour it's going to cost us some comfort. It's going to cost us some submission. And I think that we have to decide that we're going to represent his kingdom. You are a citizen of heaven. Now you carry a passport from heaven. If you leave the United States of America, you take your passport with you to prove your identity, to prove your validity, to say, I'm just visiting, but I'm going to return to my nation. I'm going to return to my country. You have a passport from heaven. It's what gives you validity and influence on this planet. Many of you, Jesus is saying, take your passport. You're only visiting here. You're only visiting. Quit leaving your passport at home when you go to work. Quit leaving your passport at home when you go to that relationship or when you go into that, whatever it is. Don't leave your passport at home. You're a citizen that represents a different kingdom that has a king. And anywhere you show up, the kingdom is in force and in rule. It's, a, it's an ambassador. It's an embassy. It's sovereign soil wherever you go from heaven. As long as he's king. As long as he's king. And if you seek the king, the king's got your back. And I just want to encourage you. you got to, it takes submission. It takes you and I being submitted. I, I know I'm staying here for a while today, but I think I, I feel like I need to. And there's probably a thousand things I hope going through your mind right now that the Holy Spirit's saying, you haven't submitted to me. I'm not king in that area. If he's not king of everything, he's not king at all. King of the wallet. What is it? That's such a big statement. Let me just, let me just boil that down to you. You know what that is? That's called tithe. I'm not saying this. Our church, the lights are on. We're good. God's blessed. I mean, but, but many of you say he's king, but he's not king of your wallet. He's not king at all. If he's not king of all, he's not king at all. He's not king of the bedroom. He's not king of your purity. I believe in this hour, he wants to be king of everything. It's going to cost some, some submission. The last thing, and this is, this is always tough in our society. It'll cost some humility says, behold, your king coming to you lowly. They were looking for this war horse to ride in with swords. He's saying the battle is won in humility in lowliness and humbleness. I mean, we're, we're looking for so many. He comes in on a donkey. Jesus, I'd have come in on a black stallion. Somebody come on. I'd have, I'd have had some fire. I'd have had all type. I mean, like a, a racehorse, a thoroughbred, something, a chariot. He comes in on a donkey. We get our value from the wrong places. I got all my, I got three teenagers. My boys don't do this, but, and my daughter, I don't, she does it every now and then, but like I'll walk, I'll go out in, in, in public and like these young, this next generation, they're taking pictures of themselves from every angle. 
they can hold their hand. They all hold their hand the same. <laughs> it's some kind of weird thing. I can't even reach the buttons to take a picture of myself. Every time I try to do it, my phone turns off. I'm so, I'm like, my, my, my kids are like, you're so dumb. You're so old. You're such a boomer. I'm like, I can't hold my fingers like that. And they all have the same finger motion. And we're in Walmart. They're taking pictures. Not my kids. I see people, kids taking pictures. Because I'll make fun of my kids for doing it. And I see people taking pictures. You're in Walmart taking glamour pictures of yourself in the, in the cereal aisle. We get value from like how we look and our status and our money and what we drive and what culture is cramming down our face and throat. And man, can I tell you that all of your value, all of it comes from Jesus riding on your life. I know I might be a donkey, but I want him to sit on my life and the world might call me asinine. It's worth it. It's going to cost me some comfort. It's going to cost me some submission. It's going to cost some humility in my life to let the king run in and ride into the city. The whole city was moved. If you're not going, he's not showing up. If if you're not carrying him, he's not coming. He'll come again, but he's king of kings, Lord of lords. He has rule over everything we think rules. And he wants to ride into our lives on the backs of some, some stubborn stuff. Don't discount the donkey. Let me pray for you real quick. Father, thank you that you use stubborn people like me. Thank you that you use and you bridle and you tame by the power of the Holy Spirit, your creation. That we call you king today because you are. That any area of our life that's not submitted to you, I pray that we could, by the Holy Spirit, submit it to you today. They cried Hosanna in, in, on Friday, but crucify on Sunday. God, let us not be a people that don't, that change our chant when we don't get our way. Let us not be a people that change the tone of our cry when it doesn't go how we expect it to go. Let us not try to hold you to our obligations. We're obligated to you as king. Let us adjust our life to you as king. Let us formulate our calling and our convictions to you as king, oh God. I thank you, Lord, that we'll submit and surrender everything we need to to carry you into the callings that you have as destiny on this planet. Thank you that you know the boundaries of our lives, that you said you had need of us. You had need of that animal. You had need for him to carry you into that moment. Lord, you had need of us today. Our worlds need you more than ever. If you're in this place and you just say, Pastor, you know what? I've never submitted my life to Jesus. I feel like I I wasn't worth it. I wasn't worthy. I was too stubborn, whatever it might be. I remember when I was in sixth grade holding on to a chair during an altar call with all my might because I didn't want to surrender my life to Jesus that morning. If you're watching online, you're in this room. Come on. God is not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. He gave his life on a cross so that you could submit to his leadership and his lordship. You've gotten yourself tired. You've gotten yourself to this place. You've gotten yourself heavy, sometimes in the mind, in the heart, all those things trying to lead your own life. But today is the day to surrender your life to Jesus, to submit to him. He's a great God and a great king. He loves you with all his heart. And he'll move heaven and earth to lead your life and to love you. If you're in this place, no one looking around, just for a second. If you're watching online, if you say, you know what, pastor, I need to give my life to Jesus. The Bible says, just make him the leader and Lord. Submit your heart to him. He'll take all your shame, all your guilt, all your sin, all the mistakes, everything that you can't carry. He'll nail it to a tree. And then he rose from the dead to give you the power of a brand new life. 
If that's you, I'm not going to embarrass you, but if you're online, would you just type in right now, I need a fresh start. If you're in this room, you say, Pastor, I'm ready to give my life to Christ. I'm ready to actually submit to him for the first time, or maybe again, I'm giving my life back to him. Would you put your hand up high to me? Let me pray for you. I need to submit my life to him today. I need to really bring my life to the power of Jesus. Hold your hand up high so I can pray for you. Anybody here? I need a fresh start in God. Thank you for your boldness, young man. Thank you for your honesty, sir. Come on, church. People saying, yes, I need Christ. I want want him to be my king and my leader. Father, you see hands and hearts in this place. You see everybody watching online. I'm going to pray a simple prayer right now. Just pray with me. Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Jesus, you are king. You died on a tree. You took my sin and my shame and my guilt. You took my fear. You took my worry. You took my anxiety. You took my depression. You took the molestation and abuse. You took all the the pains that I've caused and all the pains that have been caused to me. You took all of it. You took the separation that I couldn't get near God from and you took it and put it on that cross, Jesus. You were separated so I wouldn't have to be. I believe you did that. I believe you rose from the dead on that third day. You give me life today. I accept you. Give me a brand new heart. Give me the power to submit and to serve you and for you to lead my life the rest of my days. I give you glory and honor in Jesus' matchless name. Come on, let's give God praise for some donkeys that he likes to use. Thank you for listening to another Transformation Church sermon podcast. If you would like someone to pray with you or if you would like some ministry materials, please email us at hello at transformationchurch.us.